0: Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Show Life of a Dog in a Res, a place where we share funny, cringeworthy, and inspirational stories from our beloved Pueblo homelands. Stories that uplift the soul, provide us hope, and heal our spirits. Just like getting your Egg McMuffin paid for by the car in front of you. I am your host, Yashday, and I am so happy that you joined me. <laughs>
0: On today's episode, I am
1: excited to bring you several different styles of storytelling. Since our emergence, storytelling has always been used as a form of entertainment to pass on cultural knowledge, ceremony, language, history, and as a guide for how the people were to exist in the upper world. In the Pueblo understanding, the grandfather was the storyteller. During the winter months, when the fertile lands were at rest, the grandfather would gather his grandchildren around the fireplace and tell stories late into the night. There were certain traditions that would be followed before any story could be told. One of those was the responsibility of the oldest grandson to be the spokesman for his younger brothers and sisters. He would approach the grandfather, offer him a traditional cigarette, and ask him in the language to tell them the stories. If the grandfather was willing, he would accept the cigarette, proceed to smoke it, and pray in silence. Once done, grandfather would gather his children in front of the fireplace. He would begin the evening with prayers, blessings, and instructions to the children to be quiet and listen. If one child nods off to sleep, the story would end abruptly and all would be told to go to bed. (laughs) A traditional water vase with a gourd dipper was placed near the fireplace and would be ready for grandfather to quench his thirst after telling stories throughout the night. It was the responsibility of the eldest child to give water to the grandfather when asked. After the grandfather drinks his fill, he would bless his grandchild with words in the language that loosely translates into, grow up and be strong. The stories were told in a language, and the children would encourage the grandfather to keep telling the story by saying, eh, eh. Stories were short and funny long and detailed, and some took many nights to retell. There were stories of the people's emergence, migration, and finding their beloved homelands. Stories of animals, how they came to be, and the traits that they possess. Stories of historical accounts, like when the Pueblo people first met the Spanish, the Pueblo Revolt of 1680, and the legends of Santiago, a mystical figure in Mexican and Pueblo lore. Of all the stories, Coyote and his antics, hijinks, and misdeeds were among the favorite. Coyote was given a task to bring laughter, joy, and a sense of mischief to the world. These are my favorite stories too. (laughs) Coyote is a master of disguise. He uses his wit and cunningness to outsmart his enemies and get what he wants. In many stories, Coyote is depicted as a greedy and selfish character who is always looking for an easy way to get ahead and is always hungry. Despite Coyote's flaws, his stories often carry important lessons about the dangers of greed, vanity, and selfishness. Through his misadventures, Coyote teaches us about the importance of humility, perseverance, and the consequences of our actions. Many indigenous cultures around the world have trickster tales and they remain an integral part of their culture and traditions. Coyote continues to be an important part of storytelling to this day and his tales continue to entertain the next generation of listeners. We start off with a retelling of two stories from the book Coyote Stories, by Book Edition, University of Nebraska Press, authored by Christine Quintasket, who wrote under the pen name Morning Dove. She was Okanagan, from the Colville Reservation in north-central Washington. Her novel was first published in 1933 and was a collection of coyote stories, folklore, and legends handed down to her by her people. Next, I will bring you an interview with my cousin and brother, Emmet Shkemi Garcia, an accomplished storyteller and children's book author. He will share with you, my wonderful listening audience, two Tamayame stories, Coyote and the Sky, How the Sun, Moon, and Stars Began, and Sister Rabbit's tricks. Then we jump into something that I am really excited to feature. res dog haikus. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to say thank you so much to my wonderful listeners for your contributions to this portion of the show. We wrap up our storytelling episode with my favorite upcoming storyteller and podcaster, my son, Lewis. He will retell the story of the Gruffalo's Child, a follow up to the telling of the gruffalo on episode five titled The Moral of the Story Is So sit back, get all the snacks you need, find a comfortable spot, and enjoy today's episode. Grandpa tell us a story. Don't forget, the first person to nod off to sleep, the story will end and we all have to go back to work. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hello na me ra ma, eo me
1: the Spirit Chief Names the Animal People by Morning Dove, Bison Books, published by the University of Nebraska Press. The Great Spirit Chief called all the animal people together. They came from all parts of the world. Then the Spirit Chief told them there was to be a change, that a new kind of people was coming to live on the earth. All of you animal people must have names, the Spirit Chief said. Some of you have names now, some of you haven't. But tomorrow, all will have names that shall be kept by you and your descendants forever. In the morning, as the first light of day shows in the sky, come to my lodge and choose your names. The first to come may choose any name that he or she wants. The next person may take another name. That is the way it will go until all the names are taken. And to each person, I will give you work to do. That talk made the animal people very excited. Each wanted a proud name and the power to rule some tribe or some part of the world, and everyone determined to get up early and hurry to the spirit chief's lodge. Coyote boasted that no one would be ahead of him. He walked among the people and told them that he would be first. Coyote did not like his name. He wanted another. Nobody respected his name, imitator, but it fit him. He was called Sin Calip because he liked to imitate people. He thought that he could do anything that other persons did, and he pretended to know everything. He would ask a question, and when the answer was given, he would say, I knew that before. I didn't have to be told. Such smart talk didn't make friends for Coyote, nor did he make friends by his foolish things that he did and the rude tricks he played on people. I shall have my choice of the three biggest names he boasted. Those are Grizzly Bear, who will rule the four-footed people. Eagle, who will rule the birds, and Salmon. Salmon will be the chief of all the fish that the new people use for food. Coyote's twin brother Fox, who at the next sun took the name, soft fur laughed. Don't be so sure, said Fox. Maybe you will have to keep the name you have. People despise that name. No one wants it. I am tired of that name, Coyote said in an angry voice. Let someone else carry it. Let some old person take it someone who cannot win in war. I am going to be a great warrior. My smart brother, I will make you beg for me when I am called grizzly bear, eagle, or salmon. Your strong words mean nothing, scoffed Fox, but go to your tippy and get some sleep or you will not wake up in time to choose any name. Coyote stalked off to his tippy. He told himself that he will not sleep any that night. He would stay wide awake He entered the lodge, and his three sons called as if one voice, Father! They were hungry, but Coyote had brought them nothing to eat. Their mother, who after the naming day was known as Mole, the mound digger, sat on her foot at one side of the doorway. Mole was a good woman, always loyal to her husband in spite of his mean ways, his mischievous making, and his foolishness. She never was jealous, never talked back, never replied to his words of abuse. She looked up and said, have you no food for the children? They are starving. I can find no roots today, Coyote grunted. I am no common person to be addressed in that manner. I am going to be a great chief tomorrow. Did you know that? I will have a new name. I will be Grizzly Bear, then I can devour my enemies with ease, and I shall need you no longer. You are growing too old and homely to be the wife of a great warrior and chief. Mole said nothing. She turned to her corner of the lodge and collected a few old bones which she put into a cooking basket. With two sticks, she lifted hot stoves from the fire and dropped them into the basket. Soon the water boiled and there was weak soup for the hungry children. Gather plenty of wood for the fire, Coyote ordered. I'm going to sit up all night. Mole obeyed. Then she and the children went to bed. Coyote sat watching the fire. Half of the night passed, he got sleepy. His eyes grew heavy, so he picked up two little sticks and braced his eyelids apart. Now I can stay awake, he thought, but before long, he was fast asleep, although his eyes were wide open. The sun was high in the sky when Coyote awoke, but for Mole, he would have not awakened then. Mole called him. She called him after she returned with her name from the Spirit Chief's Lodge. Mole loved her husband. She did not want him to have a big name and be a powerful chief, for then she feared he would leave her. That's why she didn't arouse him at daybreak. Of this, she said nothing. Only half awake and thinking it was early morning, Coyote jumped at the sound of Mole's voice and ran to the lodge of the spirit chief. None of the other animal people were there. Coyote laughed. Blinking his sleepy eyes, he walked into the lodge. I am going to be Grizzly Bear, he announced in a strong voice. That shall be my name. The name Grizzly Bear was taken at dawn, the spirit chief answered. Then I shall be Eagle, said Coyote, and his voice was not so loud. Eagle flew away at sunup, the others replied. Well, I should be called Salmon, Coyote said in a voice that was not loud at all. The name Salmon was also taken, explained the spirit chief. All the names except your own have been taken. No one wished to steal your name. Poor Coyote knees grew weak. He sank down beside the fire that blazed in the great teepee, and the heart of the spirit chief was touched. Coyote, said that person, you must keep your name. It is a good name for you. You slept long because I wanted you to be the last one here. I have important work for you, much for you to do before the new people come. You are to be the chief of all the tribes. Many bad creatures inhabit the earth. They bother and kill people, and the tribes cannot increase as I wish. The people devouring monsters can't keep on like that. They must be stopped. It is for you to conquer them. For doing that, all the good things you do, you will be honored and praised by the people that are here now and that come afterwards. But for the foolish and mean things you do, you will be laughed at and despised. That you cannot help. It is your way. To make your work easier, I give you special magic powers. It is your own special magic power. No one else can ever have it. When you are in danger, whenever you need help, call to your power. It will do much for you, and with it, you can change yourself into any form, into anything you wish. To your twin brother and to others I have given shumish. it is a strong power. With that power, fox can restore your life should you be killed. Your bones may be scattered, but if there is one hair of your body left, fox can make you live again. Others of the people can do the same with their shumish. Now go, coyote. Do well the work laid for your trail. Well, coyote was the chief after all, and he felt good again. After that day, his eyes were different. They grew slant from being propped up that night while he sat by his fire. The new people, the Indians, got their slightly slant eyes from coyote. After coyote had gone, the spirit chief thought it would be nice for the animal people and the coming people to have the benefit of a spiritual sweat house. But all of the animal people had names, and there was no one to take the name of sweat lodge, the warmer. So, the wife of the spirit chief took the name. She wanted the people to have a sweat lodge, for she pitied them. She wanted a place for them to go to purify themselves, a place where they could pray for strength and good luck, strong medicine, and where they could fight sickness and get relief from their troubles. The ribs, the frame poles of the sweat lodge, represent the wife of the spirit chief. As she is a spirit, she cannot be seen, but she is always near. Songs to her are sung by the present generation. She hears them, she hears what her people say, and in her heart there is love and pity. Coyote Juggles His Eyes An Okanagan Tale by Morning Dove Bison Books published by the University of Nebraska Press As he was walking through the timber one morning, Coyote heard someone say, I throw you up and you come down in. Coyote thought that was strange talk. He made him curious. He wanted to learn who was saying that and why. He followed the sound of the voice, and he came upon little Chickadee, who was throwing his eyes into the air and catching them in his eye sockets. When he saw Coyote peering at him from behind a tree, Chickadee ran. He was afraid of Coyote. That is my way, not yours, Coyote yelled after him. Now it wasn't Coyote's way at all but Coyote thought he could juggle his eyes just as easily as Chickadee juggled his, so he tried. He took out his eyes and tossed them up and repeated the words used by the little boy. I throw you up and you come down in. The eyes plopped back where they belonged. That was fun. He juggled eyes again and again. Two ravens happened to fly that way. They saw what Coyote was doing, and one of them said, Coyote is mocking somebody. Let's steal his eyes and take him to the Sundance. Perhaps then we can find out his medicine power. Yes, we will do that, agreed the other raven. We may learn something. As Coyote tossed his eyes next time, the raven swooped swift as arrows from a strong bow. One of them snatched one eye and the other raven caught the other eye. Go! 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 They laughed and flew away to the Sundance camp. Oh, but Coyote was mad. He was crazy with rage. When he could hear the ravens laughing no longer, he started in the direction that they had gone. He hoped somehow to catch them and get back his eyes. He bumped into trees and bushes, fell into holes and gullies, and banged against the boulders. He soon was bruised all over, but he kept going, stumbling along. He became thirsty. He kept asking the trees and bushes what kind they were, so he could learn when he was getting close to water. The trees and bushes answered politely, giving their names. After a while, he found he was among the mountain bushes, and he knew he was near water. He came soon to a little stream and satisfied his thirst. Then he went on, and presently, he was in the pine timber. He heard someone laughing. It was Bluebird. She was with sister, Bluejay. Look, sister, said Bluebird. There is Coyote, pretending to be blind. Isn't he funny? Do not mind Coyote, advised Blue Jay. Do not pay any attention to him. He is full of mean tricks. He is bad. Coyote purposely bumped into a tree and rolled over and over towards the voices. That made little Bluebird stop her laughing. She felt just a little bit afraid. Come, little girl, Coyote called. Come and see the pretty stars that I see. Bluebird naturally was very curious and she wanted to see the pretty star. But she hung back and her sister warned her again not to pay attention to Coyote. But Coyote used coaxing words, told her how bright the stars looked. Where is the star? asked Bluebird, hopping a few steps towards Coyote. I cannot show you why you are so far away, he replied. See where I am pointing my finger? Bluebird hopped close, and Coyote made one quick bound and caught her. He yanked out her eyes and threw them up into the air, saying, I throw you up and you come down in and the eyes fell into his eye sockets. Coyote could see again, and his heart was glad. When did you ever see a star in the sunlight, he asked Bluebird, and then ran off through the timber. Bluebird cried, and Bluejay scolded her for being so foolish as to trust Coyote. Bluejay took two of the berries she had just picked and put them into her sister's eye sockets, and Bluebird could see as well as before. But as the blueberries were small, her new eyes were small too, That is why Bluebird has such berry-like eyes. While his new eyes were better than none at all, Coyote was not satisfied. They were too little. They did not fit very well into his slant sockets. So he kept on hunting for the ravens and the Sundance camp. One day, he came to a small tippy. He heard someone inside pounding rocks together. He went in and he saw an old woman pounding meat and berries in a stone mortar. The old woman was pheasant. Coyote asked her if she lived alone. No, she said. I have two granddaughters. They are away at the Sundance. The people there are dancing with coyote's eyes. Aren't you afraid to be here alone? Coyote asked. Isn't there anything that you fear? I am afraid of nothing but the stinging bush, he said. Laughing to himself, coyote went out to find a stinging bush. In a swamp not far away, he found several bushes, one of that kind. He broke off one of those needle bushes and carried it back to the tipi. Seeing it, Pheasant cried, Do not touch me with that stinging bush. Do not touch me. It will kill me. But Coyote had no mercy in his heart. No pity. He whipped poor Pheasant with the stinging bush until she died. Then, with his flint knife, he skinned her. He dressed himself in her skin. He looked almost exactly like the old woman. He hid her body and began to pound meat in the stone mortar. He was doing that when the granddaughters came home. They were laughing. They told how they had danced over Coyote's eyes. They did not recognize Coyote in their grandmother's skin, but Coyote knew them. One was Little Bluebird, and the other one was Blue Jay. Coyote smiled. Take me with you to the Sundance Granddaughters, he said in his best old woman's voice. The sisters looked at each other in surprise, and Blue Jay answered, Why you did not want to go with us when the morning was young? Grandmother, How strange you talk, said Bluebird. That is because I burned my mouth with hot soup, said Coyote. And Grandmother, how odd your eyes look, Bluejay exclaimed. One eye is longer than the other. My grandchild, I hurt that eye with my cane, explained Coyote. The sisters didn't find anything else wrong with their grandmother, and the next morning the three of them started for the Sundance camp. The sisters had to carry their supposed grandmother. They took turns. They had gone part way when Coyote made himself an awkward burden and almost caused Blue Jay to fall. That made Blue Jay angry and she threw Coyote to the ground. Bluebird then picked him up and carried him. As they reached the edge of the Sundance camp, Coyote again made himself an awkward burden and Bluebird let him fall. Many of the people in the camp saw what happened. They thought the sisters were cruel and the women scolded Bluebird and Blue Jay for treating such an old person so badly. Some of the people came over and lifted Coyote to his feet and helped him into the Sundance Lodge. There the people were dancing over Coyote's eyes, and the medicine men were passing the eyes to one another and holding the eyes up high for everyone to see. After a little, Coyote asked to hold the eyes, and they were handed to him. He ran out of the lodge, threw his eyes into the air and said, I throw you up and you come down in. His eyes returned to their places and Coyote ran to the top of the hill. There he looked back and shouted, Where are the maidens who had Coyote for a grandmother? Blue Jay and Bluebird were full of shame. They went home carrying Pheasant's skin, which Coyote had thrown aside. They searched and found their grandmother's body and put it back in the skin, and Pheasant's life was restored. She told them how Coyote had killed her with a stinging bush. Next up is my interview with my brother, Kate, Emmet Kimi Garcia. I hope you find his words inspirational and his stories uplifting. Enjoy! Today I have in studio <laughs> the Life of a Dog on a Res podcast mobile studio my brother Emmett Garcia. We are first cousins. We are brothers. We fight like brothers. <laughs> We've done crazy things like brothers. So welcome Kimo. Thank you for coming in. Blessed that he's able to come in today and Share some of his stories, antics, and hijinks with us on the life of a dog in a res. First off, introduce yourself. It's just a conversation between
2: you and I. Greetings, everybody. I'm Emmett Garcia. I'm a children's book author and happy to be here.
1: He's being humble right now. (laughs) He goes by Emmet, by Shkemi. He also has an extensive list of accomplishments behind him. He's also the lead singer for Native Roots Band. Uh, He's an accomplished storyteller. He just successfully completed one year as our uh, traditional war chief. That position is held in high regard, and it goes back to the beginning of our emergence from shipwap. So... We're very grateful that he carried on the duties with respectability and with honor and served our people well. So with that, Shkemi, me call you Shkemi, Kimo, Gates. I know that I asked you to come into the Life of a Dog in a Rez podcast to record an episode of your stories that you wrote. Can you tell my listeners how that came about? How did you get into storytelling and becoming a published author?
2: Yeah, sure. Okay, Um. well, coming into, I'm a storyteller as well, so back when... The Hyatt Regency Tamayam, in partnership with the tribe, reached out to us and asked if we knew any storytellers. I said no, and then they told me, well, it pays $100 a session. And then I said, well, I'm a storyteller. (laughs) So I went to the bookstore, I looked up some stories, I memorized some, I remember some from our grandmother and my dad, and then just kind of pieced some together and then remembered some and then started just practicing Of course, the first few attempts at storytelling bombed, but the listeners didn't know because there were tourists from other places. Nonetheless, I got the bug for storytelling, so thereafter I just continued storytelling at the resort on a regular basis, and then as I got better over time, I started including more stories, and then I started getting booked (laughs) schools and communities, and just starting to get better at the art of storytelling. Connecting with other storytellers from other indigenous communities helped me to better my art. um, storytelling and it is an art form that's slowly dying uh, just because times are changing people aren't sharing stories anymore like they used to so I thought maybe I'll I'll just become a full-time storyteller and it was Quite lucrative in the beginning and over time. So I call myself a storyteller because I've put a lot of hours of work into that art form. As a result of storytelling, I was approached by a man by the name of, um, he's from New York City. Well, through LaDonna Harris, who's an activist and she has an organization called Americans for Indian Opportunity. It's an ambassador program, which I was a part of. She has a friend in New York City who had a daughter who was going to visit New Mexico for a time and She's an art teacher. She was a young illustrator by the name of Victoria Pringle, who's my illustrator at the moment. She did some time here at the Bernalillo Public Schools to teach art for a semester, and at the end of the semester, she asked me to tell her a story. Peter Pringle was her father, and he's friends with LaDonna Harris, who's a Comanche who lives here in Albuquerque, and we got connected, and we met at a local Starbucks, and I told her a story about Coyote in the Sky, how the sun, moon, and stars began, and She did an illustration book for her students to give as a gift at the end of the school year. Her father was involved in publishing at the time, writing for the New York Post and Other publications, and he thought it'll be a good idea to try to publish the book. So through his help, we submitted several different copies of the book or illustrations to various publications, and we were picked up by University of Nebraska Press, and then we were dropped. We dropped the book off at various places and got turned away, of course, many times, and then finally University of New Mexico Press, which is the biggest publishing house here in New Mexico, picked us up, which we're quite lucky because lots of people submit to um, UNM Press, and not everybody gets picked up, but we got picked up. Like within a year's time, and about eight months later, our first copies of our book came to our door, and I started writing the next story right away, which is Sister Rabbit's Tricks, which I'm going to share in a little bit, along with Coyote in the Sky, and things just took off from there. It's been a good partnership with the University of New Mexico, and they've been bothering me lately about producing another book. Of course, I've some other ideas written down, but just haven't had quite the time to send them out. A- a copy of the latest story. <laughs> so that's kind of us, in a nutshell, how I became a storyteller and a children's book author.
1: Like you mentioned, storytelling is a part of our history the way we passed on the language. Storytelling is usually told during the wintertime where the grandfather would gather his grandchildren around the fireplace and he would tell stories of our people, our emergence from shippop Wonderful, beautiful stories about life and how to be and how not to be. And a lot of the times they used the character coyote, not teaching them core values, but also teaching them the pitfalls of being dishonest, being mean. That's just the way our culture is. Like you mentioned, that no longer happens happens really. I know it's a lost art. Speaking with other individuals through my podcast, they also reiterate that it used to be within their communities, within their pueblo culture to have storytelling but that no longer happens. And hopefully with individuals like you and myself that do put out spoken word that we can revitalize some of that tradition of passing on stories so i know that the stories that you tell some of them are a mixture of what you've learned what you've read what you've come to understand but also stories that our grandma shared with us and i know that she did give us that insight into storytelling although we <laughs> we were young and we we didn't listen very much we didn't listen very well we probably wish that we listened a little bit more but but of course, now that we're here, we pass on what she's given us and we appreciate all that she's given us. So with that, Yumo, I'm glad that you came in today you have a busy schedule. I really appreciate you coming in and sharing your stories. I assume you're going to read us two stories. Thank you again for that. Give you the opportunity to present your stories, especially during this time of the year. It's the perfect time. So my listeners out there, get your cup of coffee and your biscochitos, sit back and enjoy storytelling with my brother, Emet Shkemi-Gate Garcia.
2: Coyote and the Sky, How the Sun, Moon, and Stars Began. Story by Emet Shkemi-Garcia, illustrations by Victoria Pringle, published by University of New Mexico Press, and also a Tamaya story. A long time ago, the animal people decided to make a journey up into our world, the fourth world. Back then, where we lived in the underworld, it was called Shipap, or the third world. The animal people went to the leader of the third world and asked him for some advice. What should we do when we get to the fourth world, they asked. He gave them great advice about how they should all stay together and watch out for one another. But there was one animal that leader didn't allow to join the other animals on the journey. That was Coyote, the trickster. This was because he was always making mischief for trying to trick someone out of food. When everyone was ready, they started to make their long journey. The animal people began to climb and climb and climb up into the fourth world, but when they arrived, it was very dark. They could not see anything and they kept bumping into one another. They were scared. What should we do, they asked each other. The animal people huddled into a close circle. They decided to send Squirrel and Rabbit back into the third world to ask Leader for some advice. There is no light in the fourth world. What should we do, cried Rabbit. Well, Leader took some time to think about their problem. Then he began to build a big fire, and while it was burning, he began to make a yucca mat. When he was done, the coals from the fire were nice, hot, and glowing. Leader used a stick to put all the coals into the yucca mat, and he tied it into a bundle. He told Squirrel and Rabbit to run quickly back up into the fourth world with a bundle. When they reached the other animal people, they opened the yucca mat. The animal people grabbed each corner of the mat and flung it up into the heavens. The glowing coals came together into a big circle into the eastern sky, and this became our sun. At last there was light. Oh, how beautiful it was, shouted the animal people. But then the sun began to move across the western sky, and soon it disappeared, and it was dark again. Now what should we do, asked the animal people. They huddled once again into a small circle and again they decided to send Squirrel and Rabbit because they were the fastest down to the third world to ask Leader what to do. This time he made an even bigger fire with even bigger coals. While he was burning, he made another yucca mat. When the mat was done and the coals from the fire were red hot and ready to go, Leader took the coals and put them into the mat. Leader tied the mat into an even larger bundle. It was very heavy and Rabbit lifted the bundle with all her might and ran back up into the fourth world with Squirrel leading the way. When they reached the animal people, they untied the bundle. They took each corner of the mat with a great effort, they flung it up into the heavens, and this became our moon. But still it wasn't bright enough, and something was still missing. So Squirrel and Rabbit were sent back down into the third world to ask Leader what to do next. This time he made an even bigger fire and an even bigger mat. All this time, little did they know Coyote was hiding, watching, and listening. When all was ready, Leader wrapped red-hot coals into the mat and told Rabbit to run as quickly as she could, back up into the fourth world with Squirrel leading the way. Oh, Rabbit could feel the heat from the coals, and even to this day you can still see that Rabbit's eyes are pink from the glowing heat. But Rabbit was very brave. She held the yucca mat out in front of her, and all she could see was Squirrel's tail leading the way. They did not know Coyote had come out from his hiding place and was following them up into the fourth world. When they reached the other animal people, Coyote was very angry that he had not been invited to come into the fourth world. Coyote sulked behind a big rock so that no one could see him. When the animal people opened the big bundle, they asked Badger to draw pictures of each animal onto the yucca mat with the red-hot coals. Badger began to do this with a stick. All this time, Coyote was getting angrier and angrier. Suddenly, he jumped out from his hiding place and grabbed one corner of the mat and he flung it up into the heavens. These coals became our stars. And if you look closely at the stars today, you can still see the outlines of the animal people that Badger drew on the yucca mat. Well, these are our constellations. In some places, the stars are in clusters like in the Milky Way. Well, this is where Coyote messed up Badger's drawings. Finally, Squirrel ran back into the third world to tell Leader what Coyote had done. Leader decided to go up to the fourth world. When he got to the animal people, he told Coyote that he had been very bad and must leave the fourth world. Leader put Coyote into a yucca mat and threw him up among the stars into the southeast corner of the sky. He sent Squirrel into the northwest corner of the sky to watch out for the future of all animal people. To this day, this constellation is known as the Big Dipper. This is how the sun, moon, and stars came to be.
1: Thank you for that beautiful story. So what was your inspiration for coming up with that
2: story? Among a lot of Southwestern tribes, including the Navajo and Apache, I've heard the same story being told. Quite different, of course, from one tribe to the next. Storytelling, as I learned... Is not, you know, some people say, well, that belongs to our tribe, but stories are like songs. They're ever changing, they're ever fluid. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of trade that native tribes did. Storytelling was the same. People would travel and share stories. And over time, even from night to night, descriptions of the story would change, you know, with the storyteller. Like perhaps new animals would be included in the story, or the story would change as life does. Things change yeah. as it's told and shared. So through Coyote in the Sky, just hearing various stories along with our story here at Tamaya about our emergence into the world from ship up to this world that we live in today and how the animals were the first to arrive and to look for light, look for those things that were suitable for living, for humans to arrive, was my inspiration. Coyote being the trickster, he can be bad. He can trick and create mischief, but at the same time, he also, through his mischief, he creates new things just like life when challenges are posed and... Things happen. Something good always comes. Coyotes, tricks, their antics always produce something like the sun, moon and stars and the constellations. And so that's where the story came from. Just hearing the various stories that were told from other southwestern tribes and in our own stories and put this whole story together. Of course, I've added some details and added some um, scenarios into the story. So it becomes our own story to share. So that's where the inspiration of that legend came from
1: appreciate you coming in and reading the story. What you said really resonates about how Coyote is a trickster. He does mischievous things, but yet he teaches lessons to us all the way the world works. And even through difficulty, even through the challenges we face, there's good things that come about. That old adage of everything happens for a reason, and that holds true with Coyote. Thanks for sharing that. You explained it very well when you said that stories belongs to this people or that people. But just like song, like you mentioned, they're all interchangeable. They change over time. People use them to fit their own narrative. Same with song. Every song in this world has already been created. We as song makers like you and I and our brothers, we actually are song stitchers. And we just pull these songs out of the earth and put them together and sing them, use them for that purpose. Then they go back up into the upper reaches for someone else to use the same concept. Up with the stories. Stories that are told through coyote, through all the animals, through the spirits that are within all of us, the spirits throughout the world. Thanks for that. I really appreciate that. So now you have another story that you would like to share with us, entertain us with that beautiful story that you
2: have. This one is called Sister Rabbit Strix, again written by myself, Emmett Skimming Garcia, and illustrated by Victoria Pringle. And this story rabbits also in the trickster in many legends this is a story about sister rabbit sister rabbit enjoyed visiting her friends and relatives in the forest most of the time she would have fun but sometimes sister rabbit would play tricks and get into trouble one day she went to visit buzzard buzzard was very proud of his colorful feathers he had on his head sister rabbit told buzzard she would teach him how to do the fire dance Brother Buzzard, I have many friends who travel a long way just to see me do the fire dance, said Sister Rabbit. Buzzard was impressed, and he wanted to learn to dance. First, Sister Rabbit made a crown of twigs, leaves, and grass. She put the crown on the buzzard's head, and she made a small fire. Sister Rabbit warned, Don't stop dancing until I'm done singing. If you do, something terrible would happen. She lifted the crown on Buzzard's head and began to beat on a hollow log with a stick. Then she began to sing as loudly as she could. All the animals from around the forest came to see Buzzard dancing the fire dance. Soon, the crown of twigs, leaves, and grass began to catch a fire, scorching the colorful feathers on Buzzard's head. But Sister Rabbit, she just kept on singing. Buzzard could not stand the heat any longer. He flew away to the nearest river to dip his head into the water and put out the fire. Sister Rabbit laughed and laughed, and she ran away back into the forest to find someone else to visit. Today, Buzzard does not have any more colorful feathers on his head. He's also very shy and embarrassed that his colorful feathers are all gone. The next day, Sister Rabbit came upon Bear, who was fishing in a stream. Cousin Bear, Sister Rabbit called, I know a place where you can have all the honey you can eat. Usually, Bear did not like anyone to disturb him while he was fishing, but the taste of honey was better than fish. So he followed Sister Rabbit. Sister Rabbit led Bear to a nearby tree stump. She told Bear that inside the tree trunk, there was tiny bee children who liked listening to a good story. If the bee children enjoyed the story, they would reward Bear with sweet honey. Sister Rabbit added, When the sun is directly overhead, you must remember to take this stick and hit the side of the tree trunk to let the bee children know it's time for lunch. Bear began to tell the bee children about his many adventures. But soon the sun was directly overhead. Bear remembered what Sister Rabbit had told him to do, and so he picked up the stick and he hit the side of the trunk. To Bear's shock, all the bee children came swarming out and they stung him. Poor Bear ran away, but he was stung so many times he became so swollen. Sister Rabbit, who was watching from a distance, laughed and laughed and ran away as fast as she could to find someone else to visit. Today, bee children do not trust anyone to visit them, Sometimes visitors will try to tell them a story, but the bee children will sting anyone who comes near their nest. Eventually, Sister Rabbit grew tired of traveling and visiting, so she stopped near a big rock to rest. She made a campfire, and she sat back to relax. As the fire burned low, turning to ash, Sister Rabbit got bored and began to wonder who to visit next. Then she spotted Eagle flying high overhead, and she got an idea. She gathered ashes from the campfire and put them into a hole inside a big rock. Rabbit then waited and waited. And before long, Eagle spotted her and he came down to visit. Uncle Eagle, how good to see you, Sister Rabbit said. You look so hungry. I know where you can find something to eat. Just stick your head into that hole right there and surely you will find plenty to eat. Eagle was very hungry and he happily stuck his head into the hole. When Eagle didn't see any food, he pulled his head out of the hole and he saw Sister Rabbit laughing at him. Eagle's head was white with ash. Angrily, Eagle turned to Rabbit and said, Sister Rabbit, you have tricked me and many others for the last time. Now you will be my meal. After many days of being chased, Sister Rabbit dug a burrow underground to hide. Her feet were badly swollen and she was very sorry for her mean tricks. Today, Sister Rabbit still enjoys visiting friends and relatives, but she has learned a lesson and she does not play tricks anymore. As a reminder to be good, Sister Rabbit still has long big ears which help her to listen and big feet which help her to run away from buzzard bear and eagle who sometimes still chase her around the forest.
1: Thank you for that story. So uh, Sister Rabbit's tricks, where did that inspiration come from? (laughs) If you can explain to my listeners how that inspiration came about to write that story,
2: Sister Rabbit's Tricks was um, it was inspired by again many different legends. Um, one of which and during my college days at Haskell Indian Nations, I, I was involved in a theater production called Songs of Life, which is a central storyteller sharing Native creation legends or animal stories, and the actors would pantomime them. The story to life. One of the stories that we was that we shared during the songs of life production was the story of how Bear and the Bee children. That segment of the story was part of that legend. And then I added other parts to the story to make it a little longer. Added a few more details again in this story. Like just through that production, I learned so many different legends. I also was a storyteller in the production, and so for one production, sometimes we would do about 15 different stories to come to life. And so throughout all of these details from all these different legends, um, either trickster tales or um, rabbit stories, then I I put this story together from those legends. But again, adding my own style of writing mm-hmm. to, the, to the story to bring it to life. Um, and so I never take credit for, you know, creating a legend or a song or Like you were saying, you know, we get inspired even through my own music, through reggae music. Somehow those songs are inspired by other songs, maybe from the past, from other artists or something I heard along the way. And then I just kind of put it together and then I put my own style or touch to the song or to the story. And so that's basically how these two stories came together, just through hearing and being involved in theater, hearing other storytellers, and then I also am quite fond of watching animals. It seems like I can connect with them. Sometimes I can hear them, I can talk to them. I watch them, especially like birds, like hummingbirds, for instance. They're quite awesome to watch as they fight one another, as they do their aerials. You know, things like that interest me as I'm walking or running, or I'm always constantly watching animals. And I like watching animal videos on YouTube or Facebook or instagram i'm always formulating a new story just from watching animals and so then i'll relate it to human behaviors and how i think i can contribute to helping people to to learn from the animals how to behave correctly or how to share how to be respectful to one another something that i enjoy doing
1: nice thank you just that explanation of how the inspiration comes to you and Your fondness of watching animals. We are told in our stories, our legends, that the people learned how to live on this fourth world because the animals were here before us. And there was a time that the people spoke directly to the animals and learned how to plant. They learned how to cure themselves. They learned medicines from the animals. They learned all these things. Just like anything, stuff happens and there was a point in our history, at least in Tamayama understanding, that the people were no longer able to speak to the animals. They were no longer able to have that close connections for something that the people did. In that sense, now the people still have a connection to the animals, but in a way that they didn't before. With that said, I really appreciate you coming in to the Life of a Dog on a Riz podcast and sharing your stories with me. It's been a long time coming. I know we've talked about this for over a year now. So going forward, my listeners are very interested in the stuff that is put out there from the Pueblo community. And if somebody would like to get a hold of your books or get a hold of you to come present to do a storytelling to their organization, to their school groups, how can they get a hold of you.
2: So just being an artist, dabbling in a lot of different artistic ways, storytelling, music, children, book, author, other forms of performing arts. I own a Production company called Emergence Productions, and we specialize in indigenous performing arts, Native American and indigenous performing arts, I'm working with bands, giving bands opportunity, storytellers, flautists, just any kind of indigenous performing arts, um, giving those artists an opportunity to perform, share their craft, promoting indigenous performing arts. So, through our company, that's our main objective. Through Emergence Productions, Google us or email is probably the best way. If you're interested in hiring storytellers such as myself or any others or performing artists or even to come and read some of my books to either school children, communities, whatever it may be, the best way is through Info at gmail.com. That's probably the best way to get a hold of us. Um, I don't have a website per se, but if you Google Emergence Productions, our email will come right up and that will be the best way. And Emergence is just, um, it relates to our Emergence story of emerging into the world. Also, Emerging Artists, it's the Emergence of Performing Arts. And so just remember that, Emergence Productions.
1: Thank you. And I will post all his information in the show notes on this episode so you can reach out and get a hold of Shkimi. Thank you, Shkimi uh, Kimo Kehtz, for coming in. Like I mentioned earlier, we grew up together. We're pretty much the same age, and we've been through every part of life together. Traditionally, socially, through family, we traveled quite a bit together through our power group. You know, that's a whole other episode for another day. He has so many funny stories about us traveling, his stories, his time in Haskell, <laughs> his time with all these other guys from home. They're just... Crazy, beautiful, funny stories that maybe one day we'll come back and we'll just share all those crazy things with him. We'll bring in Adi. (laughs) Thank you, Kumo, for coming in to the Life of a Dog in a Rez podcast. Mm -hmm. Many blessings to you and your company and your family and everyone that supports you and in our community. You know, we're on the verge, on the cusp of opening up our ceremonies again. We're really. Anxiously awaiting for that to happen so we can bring happiness and blessings through our dance, through our stories, through the things that we do as Pueblo people. And you have any last words, any shout outs you would like to say to anybody out there?
2: Yeah, and just just um, sending um, blessings to everybody in good health and just keep supporting Indigenous performing arts. Uh, you have young people interested in playing music, instruments, theater, dance, whatever it may be. We need more artists out there and um, just support those young people. That's what we need more of. And so just sending shout-outs to all of our artists out there to keep it up. Don't give up. And it's a tough road, but there's a lot of people that have paved that path ahead, and that path is there. Follow that trail, and it'll lead you to a good place. So that's all I have to say. Thank you for listening to my interview
1: with my brother Emmett. If you're interested in purchasing a copy of his books, I will leave his contact information in the show notes. <speaking in> the next portion of the show has been a thought of mine for many months now. It started with the definitions of the Res Dog episode, which is still the most downloaded episode. After seeing the wonderful contributions from you all, I thought, how can I make it better? Then haiku came to mind. For those unfamiliar with haiku, it is a Japanese poetic form that consists of three lines with five syllables in the first line, seven syllables in the second line, and five syllables in the third line. Traditionally, it invoked images of the natural world, but poems are wide-ranging. Haikus are thought-provoking funny, spiritual, and sometimes (laughs) cringeworthy. In full disclosure, some haikus in this episode do not qualify as pure haikus because they contain extra syllables. But I chose to leave them in because they are no less beautiful. Enjoy!
3: (laughs) Res dogs eat whatever Run wherever they feel like Oh to live their life Chasing and barking does not matter what's moving Res dogs protecting Res dogs out at night Enjoy life to the fullest in the dog house now smells like ditch water stinky res dog loves water sleeps in the old car tonight i will sing i will help you with your prayers res dog medicine Rambunctious on three Chasing rabbits running free Happy as can be Three-legged res dog Over at the post office Sleep as folks go by Tick behind the ear Growling kicking in a dream Chasing things unseen, free and left unnamed, existing outside fences, being just to be. Indigenous dog, never ever left the rez, has a hundred kids. Rez dogs sleep all day, bark all night at the end scene. Res dogs are security. Three legs, one eyeball. Dehydrated but happy. Love my res dog life. Watch the dog. Feel your soul start to settle. Now give dog a nod. Silent is res dog. Ghost soul who wanders through time. Weaves into presence. Crash, another can falls. Res dog, too hungry to care. Peace comes to the night. Stilly itch, witch, ditch. Rez dog, bitch. Can't be in heat. Puppies, puppies, more. Reservation packs. At night they devour the streets. No dog left behind. Empty gut, sour tongue Res dog's prey is far away None should be at play Pocket full of rocks Next mean dog house coming up Wish Grizz was with me Life of a res dog His story continues on Sun-dried adobes Waiting at the door Feast day leftovers are here Homemade res dog treats Res dog be his name Comprehends the native tongue 19 Pueblo strong More than a res dog A child's bus stop partner. Best friend protecting.
0: Always at his
3: feet. Grandpa's four-legged baby. Best res dog around.
1: I would like to give a special shout out and thanks to the newest member of the Red Thunder White Lightning Podcast Collective, Amore Herrera for her silky smooth voice in reading the res dog haikus. (laughs) I hope it has made you look at our beloved res dogs in a different light. With that said, I would like to ask you, my wonderful listeners, for your help by sending me your haikus of life on the res for an upcoming episode. Remember... The first line contains five syllables, the second line contains seven syllables, and the third line contains five syllables. Thank you so much and good luck. To round out the show, I welcome to the Life of a Dog on a Res podcast my son, Lewis for a retelling of The Gruffalo's Child, a follow-up book to the children's picture book The Gruffalo by writer and playwright Julia Donaldson. Lewis is the eldest of my two sons. His brother, Isidore, is also learning storytelling, and someday he will retell his version of the story, How Coyote Got His Coat, which he titled, How Coyote Got His Sweater. (laughs) Never a dull moment with those two. So sit back and enjoy Lewis's story.
4: The Gruffula's Child by Juliet Nounson, illustrated by Axel Scheffler. "'The Gruffalo said that no Gruffalo should ever set foot in the deep, dark wood. "'Why not? Why not? "'Cause if you do, the big, bad mouse will be after you.' "'I met him once,' said the Gruffalo. "'I met him a long, long time ago. "'What does he look like? Tell us, Dad. "'Is he terribly big and terribly bad?' "'I can't quite remember,' the gruffalo said. "'He thought for a minute and scratched his head. "'The big bad mouse is terribly strong, "'and his scaly tail is terribly long. "'His eyes are like pools of terrible fire, "'and his terrible whiskers are tougher than wire. "'One snowy night, when the gruffalo snored, "'the gruffalo's child was feeling bored.' The Gruffalo's child was feeling brave, so the Gruffalo's child tiptoed out of the Gruffalo cave. The snow fell fast, and the wind blew wild. Into the wood went the Gruffalo's child. Uh huh, oh uh-huh, ho, a trail in the snow. Whose is this trail? Where does it go? The tail poked out of a log pile house. Could this be the tail of the big bad mouse? "'Out sunk the creature. His eyes were small, and he didn't have whiskers, no none at all. "'You're not the mouse.' "'It's not I, but he's somewhere nearby, eating Gruffalo cake.' "'The snow fell fast, and the wind blew wild. "'I'm not scared,' said the Gruffalo's child. ah, uh-huh, ho! Uh-huh. Mark's in the snow.' Whose are these claw marks? Where do they go? Two eyes gleamed out of a treetop house. Could these be the eyes of the big bad mouse? Out flew the creature. His tail was short, and he didn't have whiskers of any sort. You're not the mouse. Hoo-hoo, not I. But he's somewhere nearby eating gruffalo pie. The snow fell fast, and the wind blew wild. I'm not scared, said the gruffalo's child. A ho, a Tracks in the snow. Who's are these tracks? Where do they go? Whiskers at last in an underground house. Could this be the home of the big bad mouse? Out slunk the creature. His eyes weren't fiery. His tail wasn't scaly. His whiskers weren't wiry. You're not the mouse. Oh no, not me. But he's under a tree drinking guffalo tea. The snow fell fast and the wind blew wild. I'm not scared. It's all a trick," said the griffler's child, where she sat on a stump where the snow lay piled. I don't believe in the big bad mouse. Here comes a little one out of his house. Not big, not bad, but a mouse at least. All oh, you'll taste good as a midnight feast. Wait," said the mouse. "Before you eat, there's a friend of mine you ought to meet." If you let me hop onto a hazel twig, I'll beckon my friend, so bad and big. The big bad mouse, said the gruffalo's child, so he does exist. The mouse hopped on to the twig. He beckoned, just wait and see. Out came the moon. It was bright and round. A terrible shadow fell onto the ground. Who is this creature, so big, bad, and strong? His tail and his whiskers are terribly long. His ears are enormous and over his shoulder. He carries a nut as big as a boulder. The big bad mouse, yelled the gruffless child. As the gruffless child ran, the mouse hopped down from the twig. A ha, a hole! a print in the snow. Whose are these footprints? Where do they go? The prince led to the Gruffalo cave, where the Gruffalo's child was a bit less brave. The Gruffalo's child was a bit less bored, until the Gruffalo snored, snored, snored. The end.
1: Today in the Life of a Dog on the Rares podcast studio, we have my son, Lewis. Say hi, Lewis. Hi. Lewis is nine years old, and he comes from the Pueblo of Santa Ana, Tamaya as it's known. Do you want to tell my audience anything, somewhat?
4: What do I say? (laughs) My favorite food is pizza.
1: What do you like on your pizza?
4: Pepperoni and extra cheese.
1: And, Louis, do you want to say something to any of your friends or your family?
4: Could I tell them what's my favorite color? My favorite color is dark blue.
1: Nice. Do you have any pets, Lewis? Yes. What kind of pets?
4: A hedgehog, two dogs, a cat, and some fish.
1: What are their names?
4: Sonic, Blue Swimmer, Green Plant, Shark Bait, Bait Bobby, Combo, and Chewy.
1: Wow, that's a lot of pets. That's it? Yes. <laughs> okay, well... Thank you, Lewis, for coming on The Life of a Dog on the Rest. Do you want to give a shout out to anybody? Say hi to anyone?
4: Hi. Hi to everyone.
1: What about to your brother? We're partnering crime.
4: Hi to my brother. <laughs> They're partnering in crime.
1: <laughs> What's his name? Isidore. Isidore, what? Armijo. Armijo, what? Q. Q, what? I
4: don't know.
1: What do you call him?
4: Izzy. Fuzzy. Bunny. Bun.
1: What is his full name?
4: Isadora right, me. How cute. Izzy. Izzy Fuzzy.
1: <laughs> Izzy <Is he> Fuzzy. <laughs> okay, well, Louis, thank you again for coming on the show and telling the story of the Gruffalo's child. I really appreciate it.
4: Thank you for listening Life on a Dog on the rez thank you for listening life of a the dog on the res life of a dog on the res life on a on of a dog on the res life of a dog of a re- of the res life on a dog life on a dog of the res Ugh. Life of a dog on the res. Thank you for listening on my dad of Life on a On the Dog of a re, on the Res. Thank you for listening to my dad of Life on a Dog of the Res. Thank you for listening to my dad on Life of a Dog on the Res podcast. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Bye.
1: Thank you for joining me today on the Life of a Dog and a podcast. I hope you found my stories funny, inspirational, and not too cringeworthy. Remember, storytelling keeps our culture, traditions, and language alive. If you are a storyteller or know of a storyteller in your life that is willing to share their stories with the world, please DM me on Instagram at lifedogres.podcast or shoot me an email at lifedogres at gmail.com. I would love to connect with you and find out if you ever ordered Fiesta Burgers for the whole family and waited over an hour just for the tasty deliciousness. (laughs) Gosh, my mouth is watering right now. Well, that's the end of our show. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Life of a Dog on a Arrest podcast. I hope this episode brought a smile to your face, made you laugh, and inspired you to do good things. I truly appreciate all the love and support that you send, and I wish all of you the happiness and joy that we all deserve. If you love the show, please like, follow, subscribe, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. truly helps spread the word to our families, friends, and fellow revdogs Dogs. Until next time, show up, talk to you later.
0: Bye! Ya ata no ma ka na me po ye elu oo 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 elo ya ye Kaya kiye monoma, monoma, hena Kao name spira paimati, ee 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 spiyoma, eo ea kao a shati sana kui, kyao a tsanoma, kao name puru vistimu o muo kana, ee eelo uu Yeh, hey, Happy no, Hey, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, Te kainate e e tyw e shaw Ka o namestira Ma ka a a a a a chanoma Eo o he a ka a shati sânakwi Kia a tanoma e sti churru rukana yei he he ya he eloo hei ah 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 ieeeeeee ya aki na se cha ne se shara ma Ka yo yashi shi e wana shi. I e I e ma. He na te he Te na e e e o na Ma Que e kya ra tanomang ka na me pocho sti mo mo ka na elu uu yee ya elu elu ya ala na su sto ne su u sa ra kyu ya ka yu ya o Yee 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 o he ya sana ka me Oh, 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 yeah, 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 Yee <laughs> Me Ka pa ya ka mosu, shu o u o ta nom, hi ala ala yee 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 The heyashi, the kaina eo Yeh hey eloh, oh yeh heh eloh, yeah Yeh heh eloh, oh oh allah, allah, yeah, 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 Na Ka yu e shi ee ee monoma. He na ti ee ze heya shi ze kaina shi ee 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 Ka o na mes ma ऐ hey है या काश no ना कुई ये क्या आता नौ मार का आओ ना मैं पोरो Oh, oh, oh,
1: oh, yeah, yeah.